Promotional consideration for the Run Eat Drink podcast is provided by the Hilton Orlando Bonnet Creek. Welcome to the Run Eat Drink podcast. We feature destination races from across the country. And after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us, you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Hey, welcome to the Runny Drink Podcast. This is episode 86, and I am your host, Amy. And I am your very tired co-host, Dana. Well, I'm tired also. I just didn't say it. Well, I'm only saying that because we've had a lot of change, or I've had a lot of change in the oh. last week. Yeah. Since so. we were since we last recorded an episode. Well, what's hit you the hardest then in terms of your changes? Well, the thing that's hit me the hardest is the fact that my schedule has changed for the day job, mm-hmm. and I am now working a, a, a very different set of hours that yeah. gets me up and staying up every morning at 4 a.m. And, you know, that really relates to the fact that we're going to recap one of our races at Wine and Dine, which is the 10K in this episode, because we had to get up hashtag freaking early. (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah. And we're going to talk about my choices from the Epcot Food and Wine Festival, the International Food and Wine Festival today. So, yes, one of your changes really connects to <laughs> well, this the, was a, the experience of the race weekend at Walt Disney World. Well, this was a training run of sorts. And in a way, we got to train. I got to train to get up early yeah. because our wake up for the wine and dine half marathon weekend was one or one thirty a.m. each day. Yeah. Even though we fell back an hour, people, we still got up. At the appointed 1 a.m. or 1.30 a.m. Because we're crazy enough to want to be as far front in our corral as possible. And it worked. It was a good strategy. Although yeah. we will. Uh, sure. It worked out better on the second day than on the first day. But let's talk about yeah, that. You well, kind of let us right into that. The you know, uh, pre-race portion of the 10K, which was the Saturday race on oh, the half marathon weekend. As yeah. We've talked about the... Well, this isn't the Lemire's two-course challenge. No, it was when they had the inaugural two-course challenge, it was branded as Lumiere's, and all of the medals and things were very Beauty and the Beast-themed. It's since just been branded the two-course challenge because they changed themes for the medals and the artwork on the T-shirts from year to year. So, Gotcha. Yeah, and this year, you know, surprise, surprise, the 10K was... Frozen themed. Frozen or Frozen 2. Yeah, because of the sequel that's coming. It's almost as if they planned that. Right? The Disney marketing machine is in full effect. (laughs) But they they had a sweet looking medal. But to earn that, we have to tell you how we got there. Yeah, so <laughs> let's 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 kind of walk you guys through. Like we said, we're doing a three episode series that kind of walks you through what you can expect when you're doing one of these challenge weekends at Walt Disney World in Orlando, whether it's yes. the 
wine and dine two course challenge, whether mm-hmm. it is marathon weekend, wine and dine happens to be our favorite. Could be the princess, which we've never done. Princess, which is still on the to-do list. And, or it could be Star Wars. Yes, one of the Star Wars runs. Or if Disney ever gets off their collective behinds and starts really? the the California races again. You're hostile about that. I, well, you know, I maybe it's the <laughs> Disney Plus launch Ooh. that has got me, you know, I'm all marveled up. Today. So, so um, yeah. You know what? I just want to say before you launch into that, we've had a lot of people reach out to us on social media at Runny Drink Pod on Twitter and at Runny Drink Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And they have said, hey, your episode last week, it really is getting us in the spirit of getting ready for marathon weekend coming in January and the good tips and tricks and things that we got to get in gear and think about as we gear up for the race weekend. So, Well, that's the whole reason for doing it. We yeah. want to put some tools in your toolbox, some arrows in your quiver so mm-hmm. that you can get the most out of any runcation that you do. And since... We're heading into the marathon weekend season mm-hmm. right after the first of the year. Yeah. This is consider this homework, right? Well, but fun homework, yeah, it's delicious fun. homework. It's like takeout learning. Takeout learning, I like that. Yeah. So, last episode we talked about the expo and packet pickup and kind of the pre-race aspects of the weekend. Yes. And today, on this week's episode, we're going to talk about the 10K itself. Oh, yes. And it was Saturday because on race weekend, if you have a challenge incorporated into the weekend like this, you have traditionally you have a 5K on on Friday, a 10K on Saturday, and a half marathon on Sunday. I mean, marathon weekend just goes all out and starts the 5K on Thursday, 10K on Friday, half marathon on Saturday, and then the full marathon on Sunday. But this was just three races, 5K, 10K, half. And we did not do the 5K, just to be no, clear. No, but that medal looked really sweet. It actually did. It had a great medal, and I like the shirts that yeah. we saw in the merchandise section. Mm-hmm. They were really, really nice this year. So yeah. kudos to the art design folks that mm-hmm. were doing the merchandise and the medal design. Love it. Just so, make more magnets. Yes, please. More car <laughs> magnets. Please. So, the 10K, 6.2 miles. Saturday, and it started, for us, it started at 1.30 a.m. Yes. And really, that's because we like to get up, and I like to do yoga and use the BFF and kind of get really kind of loose, and then, so we have enough time to get on our race gear, make sure we haven't forgotten anything, and then park at Epcot to be bused to the Magic Kingdom start. Yeah, usually if you're staying on property and you're at one of the host, the, the race host hotels, they'll have transportation starting at about 3 a.m. heading over. Very early, yeah. So they start fairly early over there. We were fortunate enough to be staying at the Hilton Orlando Bonnet Creek, the folks who were kind mm. enough to provide some promotional consideration for this episode. Great hotel. This is a hotel that we have chosen for many, many years. We talk mm-hmm. about them providing promotional consideration. I joked last week about, we, you know, I kind of felt guilty because we'd have been talking about them anyway. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Uh, we, we stay there. Now, 
Hilton Orlando Bonnet Creek does race day transportation for the half marathon only. Not the 10K. Not the 10K. So we chose to drive over. And I'll tell you, I, I actually, I like driving over. And the reason for that is if you drive over and you're wanting to get up towards the front of your corral, you get in, you get parked. Disney does a fantastic job of mm-hmm. the parking in the morning. It's crowded, without a doubt. Sure. But it moves. So you're not spending a lot of time in line in your car. So they're getting cars parked very quickly, mm-hmm. very efficiently, and then you're walking over. We arrived uh, probably about 345, 4, four o'clock, o'clock is yeah. when we actually pulled into Epcot and got parked. Mm-hmm. By the time we got through the bag check and security. When I say bag check, I mean the, the oh, security yeah. folks checking your bag if you have a bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then go load up on the bus. We probably got over to uh, Magic Kingdom by 420, 425. Yeah, yeah. About I'd right? say that sounds about right. So the corrals had already been opened when we made it there. And there is a nice area with porta potty set up and music and a pre race DJ outside of the corrals for any spectators, family members, and friends that have come with you to be your support, to be your cheer squad, but maybe not necessarily to run the race. So they have a nice little area. They had what, a, a Je- Jeffrey's, Joffrey's Coffee? They have a Joffrey's Coffee like food truck mm-hmm. being set up. They do have some breakfast items mm-hmm. set up at a, at a food and beverage tent. Yeah. They also do, and I, it's hard to believe at that time of the morning, they do character photos yes. that mm-hmm. are themed to the race. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing wine and dine, it's usually one of the characters in like chef's garb. Oh, like like Chef Mickey. Yeah, Chef yeah, yeah. Mickey. Um, if you're doing Star Wars, they'll have, you know, Star Wars themed characters, that type of yeah. thing. But... The lines, they're insane for character photos. Insane. Were over an hour, and it didn't matter. And we got there yeah. at four thirty, and we're like, "Whoa!" The first wave of runners or wheelchair racers—that—that's like five thirty. Yes, that was so five thirty. You'd have to stay in line, get the character. If you're a runner, I don't know if you can do that. I think some of that is really more for the family and the cheer squad folks. I guess. So we don't typically stand in those lines. We we have in the past from when they're shorter. But mm. by the time we got over there at that time of morning, it was an hour plus for all of the character yeah. stuff. Just can't. I can't do it. I have to get in there and get my mindset right. So they've got that initial area you were talking about, the mm-hmm. DJ, and they're doing, you know, group dances, YMCA and, and you know. Macarena. Having a ton of fun. Yeah. And then you've got the, you keep going further back and you head over to the corrals. Mm-hmm. Pro tip, if you get to the race and you got to use the porta potties, because the initial set of porta potties have a huge line. They always do. Usually at the time that we arrived, it did. Keep going all the way back to the corrals. If you're a runner. If you're a runner. Go on back there. The wait for the for the porta potty might have been five to ten minutes. They had a massive line of them. Yes. So as far long as there were corrals, they had mm-hmm. porta potties lined up, and that was easily uh, two hundred yards right. worth of porta potties. So 
tons to use, but still, you know, you had about a five minute wait, five to 10 at each one. So, you know, if at all possible, you want to take care of uh, nature stops, you know, at the hotel before <laughs> bio <there>. breaks, bio breaks. <laughs> what a great party though. Cause once you get over there to where the runners are, yeah. they have another stage. That's where your race announcers are. And prior to your race announcers, you have a DJ, DJ. that's trying to pit one corral against another to kind of party games, party games, dance competitions, like kind of keeping you warm or warmed up rather. You know what I mean? So you get over there towards the corrals. You go do your bio break. Time to get in the corral. Now, we were trying to get up towards the front of the corral. Yeah. And by the time we got there, we got about to the middle of the 10K corral. Yeah. And when I say the middle, I mean, I I think that we we may have posted some photos. I don't know that we have yet, but they had corrals A through F, Mm -hmm. and we were in the very last corral. Yes. For the 10K. For the 10K. And... I don't know if I have talked about this at any length on any of the shows, but I just have a fear of the balloon ladies. As nice as they are, I don't want to be anywhere near them to start off because I want to relax and I want to run my race at my pace. So if I don't see them, it's a better day for me. Absolutely. Even though they are nice, nice ladies. The strategy is to get to the front of the corral because the corral is broken up into waves. And so there could be two or three waves of runners that are released about two or three minutes apart from one corral. So one corral is really rather large at Disney. Yeah. And so really one corral is like three corrals Mm -hmm. or four, depending on how many they do. Four waves, four starts, whatever you want to say, three, four, depending on how big it is. We just wanted to be up at the front. It didn't really work out so much so we decided "Mm, we'll get up a little bit earlier for the half so there was there was a lesson and a tip for anybody who is a back of the pack runner like us who wants as much of an advantage ahead of those two lovely ladies that start the race very last and maintain a 16 minute per mile pace put as much distance between you and them as possible Mm -hmm. starting in the corrals yeah we tried. We were about midway. We had a little bit of a lead on them. Yeah, well, we had plenty of lead. But the 10K is not so much a pressure-filled race because they're not as concerned about getting the roads open because there's not as much of the roads around Walt Disney World incorporated into the course. And it's no? going to be a much shorter course. You're only talking yeah. about 6.2 miles. It's also mm-hmm. a less attended race than the half. So you don't have quite as many people either. Mm. So there's what a, it feels like a lot of reasons and everything kind of comes together nicely. But they, again, mm-hmm. just because it's a smaller race, they do it so right. So from the get go. still a lot of people. Oh, it was a ton of people. Yeah. But it's not the full 16,000 running the 10K. I know. Okay. So you <laughs> get there, they've got the start line set up and in every wave they're doing... The announcers, they're doing fireworks. Mm-hmm. They, they start off everything, of course, with the national anthem, salute oh, yeah. to veterans, first mm-hmm. responders. Yeah. And then it gets to our turn. Yeah. Our wave in particular. Our, ours was, I believe, the only wave where this happened. So they do the announcement. 
Yeah. Where they say runner set go. And, and we're waiting. We're expecting. And that's normally where you see the fireworks go off. <laughs> and just nothing. Yeah. Yes. Do do the sound you make. Do do it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing. And they're like, and they're like, <laughs> it was so sad. And Carissa's up there, like, okay, okay. everybody go. And <laughs> it was, it was one of those things. It was a minor technical snafu, which they fixed within three minutes oh, because yeah. then the next wave and the next wave and the next wave got their fireworks. We just yes. didn't get our fireworks. It's okay. We, we saw them yes. for the wave preceding us the waves preceding us it was fine the energy is still high and i will tell you that everybody kind of laughed it was kind of funny yeah it was like a comic relief kind of thing and that might have helped yeah a little bit of to relieve the tension like a a lot of people were tense pre-race jitters yeah yeah so they 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 send us off and i will tell you i think the weather this year was better than last year Without a doubt. And I know that the Wine and Dine Weekend has taken a lot of complaints on for past years and having such weather troubles that they have changed from a nighttime race to a daytime race. Sadly. Yeah. We didn't have bad weather. Oh, absolutely not. You know, this this was very mild by comparison to some of the footage that I looked at from our episodes last year. I did the exact same thing. Because you could see the lights and then you could see the humidity coming off the lights. You know how it kind of... The halo. Yeah. it's It was steamy. A lot of yeah. people, again, when you're running a, a Walt Disney World race, do not underestimate the heat if it's, right. if it's a, a warmer month's race. Mm-hmm. And never underestimate the humidity there because even under the best temperature conditions, Walt Disney World is built on a swamp. There's a reason hydrate that, the, that he got the land so cheap. <laughs> hydrate and dress appropriately according to the weather forecast as close to race day as possible. That's even, what I would say. Yeah, and even on cooler weather runs or races there, you may end up sweating a lot mm-hmm. from the humidity or getting rained on. And, and once you get warmed up, it's just, yeah. So things yeah. to consider. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the strategy for this race. Our strategy? Yeah. Well, we did have a strategy where we thought you were going to fall back a couple of waves, but that didn't really work out. Now, once I walked you up to the middle of the corral, the corral rapidly filled in behind us. And there was no room to move. And <laughs> that was it. I, I just looked at uh, you know, and said, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to fall back like I had planned. So right. here we are. That's okay. So we crossed the start and we took the traditional path of coming out of the parking lot and turning uh, onto the roads. And I fully expected there to be like high school bands there. Like there normally are. Yeah, but we were missing that this year. Yes. Yeah, so I hope they come back next year. But That's always fun. I yeah. mean, the, the bands do a great job. They usually have the, the bands, a dance squad, or cheerleaders, and, mm-hmm. they're, and they're playing um, appropriate music for whatever the theme of the race is, usually. They do a great job, and it's just kind of a, a neat thing to see. The course at the first mile, mm. very narrow, or until the first mile, very narrow, I mean, they had on-course entertainment and music and things to kind of keep it lively. 
But really, it was a bridge between where we started and to get us into Epcot. Yes. Yeah. And in Epcot, normally on the 10K course, we're looking at taking a full lap around the World Showcase. That did not happen this year. Not so much. Not so much. It was like half of it. You kind of came in the front. Um, again, the, this course for the majority of this course stayed very narrow. Mm-hmm. There, I will argue that this course, the 10K tends to be more of an informal run anyway. Even more so because of the crowd and even more so because of the narrowness. But they were only opening up a lane of travel. Mm. where they were only uh, at mile two, you end up coming off of that road, going onto this off ramp. And Mm -hmm. that as you're going around that off ramp, you're at an angle. And I did take some photos and video of that. There's the only way you're going to do any passing on that off ramp is to run in the grass on Mm -mm. either side. And you know, I was telling you, no, no, I really wasn't interested don't in do doing that. that. But that's the only way you were going to. Yeah. And then when you get down towards mile three, there's a very sharp uh, switchback. Yeah. That takes you into the park at the very front of the park, and the, which is the mile four marker. Mm. And it was tight. Yes. Until you got to, until you were heading into mile four. It yeah. widened a little bit there, but yeah. very tight for the first three miles. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, like you said, it's not a full lap around World Showcase. It's no. close. No. But what you don't get, which I missed a lot, mm. was the ability to basically run right by Spaceship Earth. Yeah. You can see it in the distance. Yeah. I got a great picture of it, especially with the sunrise and the lights on it. They give it those purples and oranges and the Very co- pretty. coloration. But you didn't get as close to it this year as you normally do. You come in at mile four. You kind of go around um, kind of kind of in the back. I mean, you really, we, we saw some parts of the park that were backstage. Yeah. That we'd never seen before. Yeah. That weren't terribly attractive portions of the course, but they were also not for very long. Right. Maybe a quarter mile. Yeah. Half mile, something like that. And then we finished, and and normally when we go at that finish kind of near Spaceship Earth, we, I don't know, we come around to the right and then we head out to the parking lot. You go behind the bathrooms to the side of Spaceship Earth, and then yeah. you go around and or you go around those and into the parking lot, the first right. parking lot there. Yeah, and like there's some sidewalk, and usually there's a photo pass photographer. And I, I'll tell you this about photo pass photographers: they have a hard job. Yes, they do. And if you can make it easier, here is the tip: they have. For race photos, those those Disney photo pass photographers set up in green tents. And just before those green tents, there is a big light, maybe big LED panel. like steps away to kind of warn you that a photo pass photographer is coming. And they're also using them for fill lighting for the photography. Oh, yeah. But I like to use those as an indicator of, okay, let's choose which side of the course are we going to be on? Are we going to hold hands? Let's, let's get the plan together. Or mm-hmm. if you people who can jump, 
are going to get a jump in, then that's kind of a good visual indicator or whatever you do when you strike a pose that you need to get it together. Yeah. It's coming up. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we came out to the, I, I was just thinking about last year's finish and how there's usually, it's, it's like concrete. It's almost like sidewalk a little bit before you hit the parking lot and you would have Carissa and the other announcers on your right-hand side and you would have the finish. Yes. This time it was backwards. Completely backwards. It was backwards as we got a kind of view of the back lot and we came up to the finish through a place where we normally see like medical and the uh, after race snack boxes and um, all those metal being passed out. Yeah. Once you finish, all of that was was real estate used prior to the actual finish and the race announcers were on your left-hand side this year. Yeah, they basically took everything and turned it kind of. They kind of took everything turned it 180 degrees. It was very weird. Yeah. Or disconcerting if you Why was it used it for, to it? Right. Yeah. We've been doing it for years and this is this is the one that we repeat all the time. So this yeah. was a little bit off. Yeah, just I just felt. strange. Like uh, I, I my, felt off. I had my watch on the wrong hand. I don't know something. So, but nonetheless, your race strategy, though. Oh yeah. Well, how'd you tackle all these miles? All of these miles were nice and slow, and I decided the run, walk, run would be more like a shuffle. I've been talking about how we we've been in communication with Jeff Galloway. He's our e-coach, and he's also a, a run Disney training consultant, and he actually spoke at the Race Expo. I think we got some live Instagram and Facebook video of his chat, of his Q&A. And in his communication with me, he was adamant about, here, try the lower ratios, and when you get to the race weekend, walk as much of the 10K as possible. So really, I just tried to do walking and then a little bit of a quick shuffle for a couple of seconds just to break up the run. And that seemed to really help. I think when I crossed the finish line, I was not really totally spent. I didn't speed up and try to pass a bunch of people at the end. It was really a conservative approach where I just kind of walked and shuffled and followed the advice of my coach who we had on the podcast last week talking about a two course challenge. Yeah. So. I, I think that the holding back in spite of your, maybe you're feeling great that first day, the 10 K is just, I don't know. There's something that's my favorite distance. So I know. the temptation is there for me to really, pour it on and, and, uh, and yeah. do a quick run. You're I'll, not the only one that it's a favorite of because it sells out first all the time. The 5Ks and the 10Ks always sell out at Run Disney. I just think the 10K is a perfect distance. It's it's long enough to be really challenging, but it's short enough that by the time you're starting to go, man, what did I sign up for? You're done. Mm. You know? There you go. So great strategy. I think yeah. it worked out really well. And we got a medal. We got a medal. And boy, was it a nice medal. Yeah. I talked about how I, I thought that the, the graphic design folks deserved a nod this year. Yeah. The frozen medal had 
a couple of elements to it that I thought were really unique. You had a mixture of polished metal as well as brushed metal. And then you had blue glitter accents on it that made it look or, or, or gave you that uh, hearkening to the ice from yeah. the movie Frozen. So just fantastic work on their part. And the, the ribbons were even really pretty. And they just did a bang-up job on the bling for the 10K. Yeah, I really liked it. I liked how we had some of the glittery blue outlining the metal and it, and that that brushed silver. Yeah. The brushed kind of gives it a, like the impression of it being frosted. Mm-hmm. And again, really great. Calls back to the whole theme of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, so really good. Got our medals, got to the end. They had the the reunification area for family, the the bag mm-hmm. pickup. Yeah. They have post-race photo ops. You can go over there and get, still get your photos. Yep. You can get some breakfast. Yes. And you can get celebratory beverages, both yes. alcoholic and non-alcoholic. We mm-hmm. opted for a specific beer that was actually made just for Disney. We, mm-hmm. I think we mentioned on the last show. Ply Linda, uh, uh, Titusville. Yeah. Out of Titusville. Yeah, Ply Linda Brewing. Very great. So Very tasty. Fantastic. Very great. 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 <laughs> Great, Tasty. Great beer to cap off the race. And then we headed back to our hotel over at the Hilton Orlando Bonnet Creek for some quality time in mm. the pool and the jacuzzi. So necessary. And then I think you went next door and got a massage oh, at the yes. Waldorf Astoria. Hey, the great thing is that the Waldorf is right next door to the Bonnet Creek and they will take you. You didn't have to walk. In the golf cart. Come on. Over to the Waldorf Spa and you can go like half an hour, two hours ahead, whatever. All day you have access to the spa and they'll do 50-minute massages. They'll do 80-minute customized massages. So they they have great services at their companion resort. Oh, yeah. It's a gorgeous resort. And you can, when you stay at the Bonnet Creek, even use their pool if you wanted to. Sure. But I, I liked their steam room. I liked their, their spa. It... It, it's a great way to kind of make sure that you relax, get a nice massage, and keep loose for your second race of the weekend. And then for me, it was all about just hanging out in the lazy river and the cool water mm. and then hopping into the <laughs> hot tub, let the jets work on my lower back and mm. my legs, and then back into the lazy river. Yeah. And this is at the Bonnet Creek. And it's just, a again, a very relaxing, fantastic vibe. Yep. We can't recommend that hotel enough, and we would be saying that even if they weren't uh, sponsoring the episode. So check them out if you're heading to the Orlando area, HiltonBonnetCreek.com. Book your next stay there. Yeah, it is. Well, looking at pictures right now, I'm just thinking, <laughs> I just want to be just back, go back there. Yeah, I just want to be back at Disney. I want to be back at the Hilton Bonnet Creek. Oh. <sighs> But anyway, we got a bite to eat there too. They had their quick grab and go and they have some fresh breakfast sandwiches every morning. We had some food there, mm-hmm. but the real star of the show was the food over at the food and wine festival. Oh yeah. And let me tell you, um, they had some unique and unique offerings, some new offerings this mm-hmm. year. And 
each of us kind of took turns picking some. Yes. And you picked a few that you're going to talk about today. Yes. And I let you try them. Oh, so yeah. you can weigh in as well. I absolutely will. Because sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Well, they had a new booth, a new food booth that wasn't really internationally themed, but it was by Test Track and it had coffee and donut offerings. Yeah. So I couldn't help but be tempted by it. I think I talked about it on our preview of the whole race weekend. Yes. And what we were looking forward to. They had strawberry dusted yeast donut holes. And this place is called? Oh, the Donut Box. The Donut if Box. If I didn't say that. Yeah, the Donut Box. And it was cute. It, they had strawberry dusted yeast donut holes and uh, like sugar and strawberry and when you think donut holes you think really small but these were huge you think almost golf ball sized i think for a donut hole these were almost baseball sized yeah donut holes yeah and they were very dense very dense and they had a sweet corn fritter that was served with a fresno and red pepper jelly I I just think both of these were really kind of heavier offerings. And the sweet corn fritter, I got the sweetness of the jelly, but I didn't really get the heat. So I was really interested in these two. And it was new. And I know that a lot of people were probably curious about it. Like us. Like us. I don't know if it was my favorite of... I know it. Well, I'm just going to say, I know it wasn't my favorite of all the offerings that I chose. But if you like really dense donuts and you want bang for your buck, those strawberry yeast donut holes, those, I mean, that's a huge offering for very little money. Absolutely. They, they are big enough for two people to split. That order mm-hmm. has either four or six in the order. I think it had six. And it's huge. Yeah. And it's so. not terribly expensive for that one. No. I'm kind of with you. I think that I'm, I don't know if I want to say that I'm spoiled. I just have a particular type of donut that I really like. Mm. I like a Krispy Kreme style donut. Oh, yeah. I like something that's a little lighter, a little airier. Mm-hmm. That yeast donut is, I think, a regional thing. And I, it's very dense. It's got some chew to it. It does. Very different than what I grew up on. It's nothing like getting like even a even a box donut from from like a grocery store, it's like, like an Intenman's Hush Puppy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Uh, like a sweetened Hush Puppy. Yeah, and that's the donut. Now, when we get to the corn fritter, mm. I. We'll say I, that that for me was a bit of a swing and a miss only because really? I went, it's my fault. It's not their fault. I went <laughs> with a preconceived notion of what that probably would be like. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. Okay. I was expecting a fritter much more akin to something like the. Uh, like a conch like fritter? Like the conch fritters from DJ's Clam Shack okay. where it was going to be very moist and really just enough of the breading to kind of hold the corn together. Yeah. This was much more about the bread yeah. and had a little bit of corn in it. Mm-hmm. And I th- I wanted some heat and some sweet from that Fresno and red pepper jelly. And I, I got sweet 
Not so much heat. Not so much heat. Yeah. So I, I think all the flavor in that dish was coming from the jelly. Yeah. So I just, that one for me was a swing and a miss. I sure. think I think that if they keep this one around, it's going to improve. I think the they'll evolve. I really, when we get to the drink portion of the show, yes. I really liked the beer offering there. And I'll talk more about that in the drink portion of Absolutely. the show. Absolutely. So. So that's Donut Box. Yes, we moved on. Mm-hmm. to start to try some of the internationally themed offerings. Yes. And we stopped at China and we had the spare ribs and it it seemed like it was a Chinese five spice and the ribs were cooked perfectly. But if you're expecting barbecue ribs, that's not it. It was like star anise flavors or like a licorice kind of flavor in the sauce and in the spice mix that went onto the ribs. The ribs were fall off the, the bone tender. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm not sure I'm such a star anise f- fan. I know you're not a star anise yeah, fan. But I feel like if you're into that, you would love this. Yeah, I've seen some, some different... Um, five spice and seven spice blends that do have it and don't have it. It just depends. They went with an, an option that very obviously did have star anise in it. And I, I tasted the rib. You weren't wrong. Those ribs, yeah. as far as the cook. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, the, the sauce is, is not really a sweet, sticky sauce. There, there wasn't really any sugar molasses. So, again, if you right. were looking for barbecue, right. not you, it. you were in the wrong country. Not it. I'll tell you what my favorite offering was from, from China. China was the chicken and shrimp bao bun. Absolutely. And I, a bao bun is like a, a Chinese taco, but it's not, it's not a taco. It's, That's a great way to describe it, though, for somebody who's never had one. I mean... Yeah, it's a soft, pillowy kind of outer, like, the taco is. Yeah, like a soft, pillowy. Not crunchy. Pillowy. Yeah, really thick. Yes. Yeah. A bun. Mm -hmm. A round, flat bun. Yeah. And it was filled with chicken and shrimp that really packed a... You know, like the chili oil spice? Oh, yeah. That is what I got. And the shrimp were cooked perfectly and they were tender. And that was, I got, I really got the shrimp flavor and not so much the chicken, although the texture was there. Absolutely. Yeah. I I thought those were great. And that one's a little small. I think you only get one bun per order. Yeah, I could have seen two. I could have seen two and I could have eaten two. For what we paid, yeah. For what we paid for it. But it was definitely my favorite offering from China. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And then we moved on to Africa. And this was a very you kind of thing. Well, the description was that it was Kenyan coffee barbecue beef tenderloin. Come on. Come on, yes. With coffee and barbecue. With sweet potato and corn mealy pap and... Kachambari slaw. I know I'm butchering this whole thing. I think you got that right. The kachambari slaw and the I'm, mealy pap. I'm, I'm trying. Really. It was like a griddled polenta cake with a little bit of sweet slaw and 
the beef was cooked a little bit better than medium rare. So like a medium. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was in between the two, but it was tender. Mm-hmm. And it had a dusting of curry and coffee, but curry was the overriding flavor. That was a good thing for me. I don't think you were as big a fan of the curry flavor on beef. I wouldn't say that I was disappointed in it. I would say that when you call something coffee barbecue beef tenderloin. You want it to be primarily coffee. That's So I think my expectation was there. Yep. And I went in expecting that. And then when I tasted it, not so much coffee. A lot of curry. Yes. Flavor. But I all, I liked the the corn mealy pap. Yeah. That polenta cake thing. That I, that was great. That was really good. The and again, it's beef tenderloin. Come on. Yeah. I I I'm a big fan of tenderloin. I I am with you. I think that the description implied a stronger coffee flavor than you got. Yeah, I really think it should have been called curry. A coffee curry. Coffee curry or maybe just curry. <laughs> but but it was very tasty. It was. It was. So I would do the Africa booth again. Okay. You know, and maybe try a different offering there. Or I, I, I think that the, the quality of the meat was very good. Absolutely. But my two favorites, you know, I've saved for last. Okay. Yeah. Because Canada is a place we always have to go. Sure. We always have to visit the Canada booth. For the Canadian cheddar cheese and bacon soup served with a pretzel roll. Absolutely. Yes. That is, that is a, that's a must do. <laughs> yes. And then we got the La Cellier wild mushroom beef filet mignon served with truffle butter sauce. So we got both offerings from Canada. And I'm just going to tell you, my mouth is watering talking about it right now. The cheddar cheese soup was smoky from the bacon. It was so smooth. And the pretzel roll didn't have salt on it. It didn't need the salt because you break that apart and you dip it in the cheddar cheese bacon soup, which was like a dip for it. And it added all the saltiness and smokiness from the bacon and the cheese. It was... So good. This is an every year tradition, and it is absolutely one of the best things that they serve there. Yeah. There's a reason that there's always a line at the Canada oh. display or booth, whatever you want to call it. Well, but my question for you is we just talked about having beef in Africa. Yes. And you also had beef in Canada. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you feel like you? It was too much of a repeat or too much of an no, overlap? No, I don't. Okay. I feel like it was not and too much of an overlap. This wild mushroom beef filet mignon with the truffle butter sauce, the it was more a medium rare cook on the beef, and it had a woodsy flavor, not a curry flavor. It And, oh, my gosh, the mushroom, it just added so much earthiness and the butter sauce. Oh, it was just like a dollop of it, but I feel like I could have had the 
I, I could have had like a whole fist full of this butter. Like, just give me like a cup full on top of this. <laughs> it was so good because it married together the meat and the mushroom and it just melted in your mouth. The perfect bite of the mushroom and the beef just melted in your mouth. It was fabulous. So I loved it. I was going to say, so did you like it? I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a neat thing to do to go to a place like like here, you know, where you've got a couple of different places doing totally different preparations of of the same or similar cut of meat. Yes. And you could not get two more different flavor profiles. Right. Textural components. Seriously. Yeah, different. Than the Africa and the Canada booth. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be any more different. Yes. That said, let's talk about your next country because there might be a little bit of a comparison to be made between your next country and Canada. You mean... There was a comparison between Canada and its fabulously tasty cheddar cheese and bacon soup served with a pretzel roll because we sauntered onto Ireland and they had a warm Irish cheddar cheese and stout dip served with Irish brown bread. And then I'm not going to lie, we also had the Roasted Irish sausage served with Colcan and potatoes and onion gravy. But, you know, we had just come from a cheddar cheese soup in Canada. Mm-hmm. And here is this cheddar and stout dip. And it was so tangy and just so flavorful. And I feel like the stout really punched up the... All of the flavors, like the tang and the cheese, oh, it was so good. And it looked more to be, and I don't know if this is true or not, like a whiter cheddar Absolutely. At, in Ireland than in Canada because Canada's soup looked more like it had used an orange-type cheddar. Absolutely. At, yeah. So I think that Canada's offering is smokier. But then you just have that, oh, it's like when you have a, a great white cheddar on a charcuterie plate, mm-hmm. only it was nice and melted, and then you had the soft Irish brown bread that had a little touch of sweetness to complement that tartness. And a little bit of that soda flavor to it as well. Oh, it was great. I absolutely love Ireland's offerings. Yes. The... They don't pretend that that is a soup. They call it a dip because the I think the white, the sharpness of that oh. white cheddar oh my is very potent. It is. And might be a little much to try to eat as a soup. I'd try. But then you add in that stout, and the stout does punch up the flavors, but it also smooths it out. Yeah, true. To a true. certain extent. And, and I it think when gives we gives you a great body. Yeah, I think when we had it last year, it had like a grainier texture that was more smoothed out this year. You have a better memory than I do. I don't do, know. As far anyway. as that goes. But that yeah. that could have been anything from oh, a little too much flour in this batch yeah. or whatever the case may know. be. But the flavor, 
spot on. I love it. And you mentioned the the Irish sausage <sighs> with the cold can and potatoes and then gravy. I mean, <sighs> they're they're basically like Irish breakfast links. Yeah. But the the potatoes are fantastic. The gravy was just rich, mm-hmm. flavorful. Oh. Who doesn't potatoes. like a dark onion gravy? Come Buttery on. potatoes and a sausage that had a smoother grind to it. Just great. Absolutely. Great. So Canada and Ireland are clearly my favorite. So did, did, did was there a clear winner? That's so hard. I can't really choose. Like, why Why do I have to choose? Why can't I, I have just, them both? No, I was just curious because, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, Africa and, and Canada were so different yeah. with their preparation. I didn't know if you had a clear winner between Ireland and Canada. Well. What your thoughts were there. I think you visit Canada for the filet. Oh, really? You And the soup. No. But... You, I think the filet, the filet wins out over Africa. Okay. Africa's offering. And I think that Ireland's cheddar cheese and stout dip has a, a very slight edge. Okay. But I want them both. They're, they're, they are they're similar, but they're not the same. The, yeah. The bread is so different from one to the other. I mean, the, I love the, the pretzel roll. I, oh, yeah. I, I love a pretzel roll for hot dogs or burgers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great in this offering from the country. Yeah. But I also love Irish brown bread. Oh, so it's just got that sweetness. It's it's hard. I don't know. It's, it's a hard one. I yeah. agree. Do I make you choose? You can try. Um, I, <laughs> I think that overall I would probably have to default to... The Irish cheese dip. Oh, we both like it the best. Yeah, I would have to default to that. Um, if you ha- if you had to skip it, if we were short on time and we could only do one, you would do Ireland. I would do Ireland, oh, but that's uh, also because yeah. of their total bench of everything they offer. There. Well, that's true. Because that's you've true. got the sausage, you've got the soup, mm-hmm. and then you've got the drinks. We're going to be talking about. Oh yes. As we are now heading into the drink portion of the show. I know we got to do it. So we're going to rewind. And take you back right down the list here. <laughs> yeah. And go back to the donut yeah. box. So so donut box didn't wow you uh, with their food offerings, but no. you were wowed by the drink offering at the donut box. Yes. And it's beer. It's beer. Okay. Let's just be real. Central 28 Beer Company, Boston Cream Donut Ale out of DeBerry, Florida. Mm-hmm which is 5.2 ABV. Yep. Now, from the name, you would think, oh, Boston Cream Donut Ale, it's like a dessert in a cup. That's what you would think. However, no. It tasted more like a coffee ale than a donut ale or a sweet dessert beer. It was almost like I had coffee beans and I was eating them like, you know, those chocolate-covered espresso beans? Mm -hmm. Like that. I couldn't agree more. But the body was light. This is a light beer, mm-hmm. light in color. Mm-hmm. It's not heavy like a like a stout or a dessert. A lot of dessert beers. Mm. We've tried some donut ales in the past, and some companies really, really, they go way overboard trying to capture a, a donut flavor. They're trying. I think that this the strength of this beer came from the fact that the the 
donutiness of this came on the aroma after you swallowed. Yeah, I just I didn't get it in the in the tasting of the beer no. itself. I got a coffee flavor. Did you get a coffee flavor? I actually knowing what it was, I I actually was like, okay, I can see what they mean by a Boston cream donut. So no, really, I, yeah, yeah, I was getting what you're talking. I, I did not. Well, what you're you're tasting is coffee. I was interpreting, and again, maybe it's because I knew what it was. If I was doing a blind tasting, I might say it was a coffee ale of some sort. Oh, but knowing what it was, I was like, yeah, okay, that is that's the. That's the chocolate ganache on top and that kind of vanilla-y note that you're getting. That's the custard. And so I could see oh. what they were going for. Okay, well. But again, it may be partially self-fulfilling. I don't know. I knew the title of the beer, the name of the beer, and it still tasted like a coffee ale to me. Okay. But whatever. It I'm was just, good. I'm just more susceptible to marketing, dear. And that's it was all. good nonetheless. <laughs> I would have a pint of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think that it would have to be at a dessert course. No. So. No. Light enough to drink, not for dessert. Right. And then in the next country, we revisited an old friend. An old friend from Africa, the Tusker Lager, which is 4.2 ABV and 15 IBU. It's light. It's smooth, it's clean, it's refreshing, it has a malty flavor. It makes me think of Sanaa at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, where we went to have the fabulous bread service. Yes. Oh. Absolutely worth, even if you're not staying at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, making a reservation for lunch, or just going and sitting at the bar and getting the bread service, and you're thinking, bread. Just do it. It's it's the sampler of different kinds of bread, all the, the dipping sauces. sauces, all the sauces. So many different flavors going on. Oh my God. Multiple textures from mm-hmm. different types of bread. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. So we had the Tusker Lager on our bartender's recommendation, I believe. Yes. And it was in the bottle there, and then it was on the tap here. It was just refreshing. Just so smooth and clean and uh, it it was very good to have in an outdoor festival that's a great beer for an area uh, you said outdoor festival i was gonna say for a place like epcot where most of the year it's 85 degrees or hotter and humid and humid Mm -hmm. and the sun's beating down on you and you're looking for something light in body yeah not gonna kick your butt with the abv yeah it's not that bad right Nice, 4.2. clean flavor. Yeah, this is this is a four point two is kind of like a poolside beer. Yeah, so very very nice choice. Yes, I would have that again. Strong pick. Mm-hmm. Now, I really got our beverage in China for its name. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you you went to China on a mission to get this beverage because the year that we were born. And you can Google and do whatever to find out, you know, how old we are when you do the math. But it's called the Kung Fu Punch. It makes me think of that song that was a number one song the year we were born. Everybody's Kung Fu fighting. Absolutely. And this drink will hit you as fast as lightning. Yes, it will. Okay. Because it's packing vodka, triple sec, mango syrup, and orange juice. So it's got just enough of the fruit flavors Mm -hmm. to hide the adultness of the beverage. Yeah, you could. These are very dangerous 
in that you couldn't, you wouldn't feel it. Yeah, this is the exact opposite of the Tusker Lager, where it's like, oh, light and refreshing and all that. This is a little heavier, sweeter, mm-hmm. and totally conceals the fact that it's alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, it's a sweet beverage. Be warned. It's delicious. Yeah, it was nice to pair with the bao bun that was super spicy yes. to me. So. And I went a totally different route over there and yeah. ended up getting a boba tea. Yeah. A, not, man, a, a, non, a, a non-alcoholic choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always like boba teas. They're fun. I like the the tapioca pearls in the bottom of them. I just think they're kind of a... Uh, they're chewy. little chewy snack as you're going down, walking down the... Uh, around the world showcase there. Milky, desserty beverage. Yeah, really good though. Yeah, I liked it. And you finish, or you're finishing oh. this off with uh, the beverages from Ireland. You said everything about Ireland was strong. And that is why you picked it yes. as the place you would go back to have the stout dip. Yes. Yeah. Ireland had a Breton brew house, Killarney, I, I guess, red ale. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I yes, I have Scotch-Irish roots, but I'm probably butchering the title, which is 4.5% ABV. It was refreshing. It had a red, amber, not see-through color, but that did not make it heavier or thicker on the mouthfeel or the body of the beer. I would agree. It was malty. It had just a tinge of bitterness. And I just... Like all good red ale, Irish red should. If you like an Irish red ale, you will love this. And I think it it would be refreshing along with their their sausage and their colcan and potatoes, but also with the stout dip with the Irish brown bread. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But you got to remember, too, in Ireland, in addition to this, they also offer Guinness, <laughs> and they also offer a honey mead. Oh, that's true, and that will kick your butt. We talked about last year. Oh, my God, it'll kick your butt. But you also got the dessert drink. Oh, yes. I'm so sorry. I was just just dreaming about everything that Ireland had to offer, and I got lost for a moment. Mm-hmm. Guinness and Bailey's Shake. It's an alcoholic dessert in a cup, people, and it's topped with chocolate shavings, and it has the consistency of, like, you know, a liquidy granita. Yeah, good way to describe that. Yeah. Super smooth. Mm, so. Just sweet. You can taste the alcohol. You can taste the Baileys in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's not a bad thing. No, it's very good, and the chocolate is delightful. I It's. I don't get a whole bunch of a beer flavor at all. Well, not from that one, but that's yeah. that's because it's really heavy. I mean, Guinness it's, is a very Guinness is a great approachable stout for yes. people just starting out in stouts because it looks menacing because it's dark. Yeah, but it's not. It's absolutely not, especially if you get one that's on nitro. Mm, very smooth, and I think that it just may have added to punch up maybe the chocolatey flavor of the chocolate shavings on yep. the top. Absolutely. So and and bring out that Bailey's flavor so you knew it was really there. So yeah, I, I loved that. It's it's heavier like dessert in a cup, so it's something you want to end with, I think. It's a perfect ending. Yeah. And speaking of which it's time. 
we've come to the end we have of this week's show we've oh. given we gave everybody a lot of options we gave them yes four food four beverage we talked about actually a little more than four beverage options yeah yeah and we're only two-thirds of the way done we are exploring this we have to next week we tell you all about the sunday falling back and the half marathon and that that was like my favorite race of the whole weekend and there's a reason. And if you followed us on social media, you already know. If you haven't followed us, you can go back and check it out or just wait till next week's episode because oh. Amy has some reason to like this race. Well, as much as she does. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll recap the half from Sunday. And then we have Dana's picks for food and beverage at the Food and Wine Festival. I have to finally decide what we, you know which ones of my picks we want to talk about. But oh, I know which ones I would talk about. <laughs> you let me try. I know what I would choose. But stay tuned to see what he says. Yes. <laughs> and we can't thank you guys enough for helping the Runcation Nation grow. We, we, that's what we call all of you out there who join us each week to learn where to go to accomplish, explore, and indulge as we travel around the country bringing yeah. you these awesome races at the charities they support, and then show you where to go to enjoy local food and beverage. Mm-hmm. And this was an awesome weekend for um, supporting Second Harvest food banks yes. in Central Florida. So that is, that's a, a great reason to run these races in addition to all the accomplishing, exploring, and indulging that you speak of. So make sure that you follow us on social media at Runny Drink Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Runny Drink Pod on Twitter. And hey, if you have a particular thing that we ha- we haven't talked about or that you want us to talk about from the Food and Wine Festival, shoot us a message over at info at runeatdrink.net. Just a quick email. Mm-hmm. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and tell us what we should have covered or what um, yeah. what we should cover next, yeah. uh, especially for food and wine, which is mm-hmm. what we're talking about uh, for this episode and for the next one. Yeah. And if you can leave us a voicemail, you can always call us. At 941-677-2733. Leave us a one-minute message telling us who you are, where you're from, and what your recommendation from the Food and Wine Festival happens to be because we couldn't possibly get them all. So... Give us a review that we can share because the Food and Wine Festival is going on a little longer this year. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Normally, we would have the race weekend and then the Food and Wine Festival would be open for one more weekend, but I think it's got it's got a couple more weeks left. If you haven't done it and you're thinking about it, yeah. now is the time. Just mm-hmm. go. It's a blast. Yes. Absolute blast. Even if you're not running, yeah. you can always take your running shoes and go get your 5K in around the boardwalk or around mm-hmm. the World Showcase while you're enjoying yeah. some tasty food and beverage but uh yeah. anyway that's it for this week on the running drink podcast i'm your host amy and i am your co-host dana have a great week and we'll talk to you soon thanks for listening to this week's episode of the run eat drink podcast we're having a great third year because of your support don't forget to follow us on facebook and instagram at run eat drink podcast and on twitter we're at run eat drink pod You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or shoot us an email at info at runeatdrink.net. 
visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.